Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Neighbors Active Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world, coming off a fucking one victory oh. series. What? What? No, go ahead. Play it. Play it. One victory against the first place Baltimore Orioles. It was, hey, you know what? It should have been a series win. You know, you shouldn't score 12 runs and lose a game. How many times does that happen? Well, yeah, but, you know, if you could actually... How many times does that happen? Ever? Not a lot. Doesn't happen a lot. Means First, the Red Sox play it. But I have the it, stat, actually. Do you do you want the stat? Please, please. I tweeted out the box score last night after everything had gone down. because Okay. It was crazy. So, April 24th, 1960, the last time the Red Sox lost a nine-inning game where they had 20-plus hits. Red Sox Senators. It's been a long time since the Red Sox had that many hits and scored that many runs and still lost a baseball game. That would tell you that more often than not, when they have 20-plus hits and score 10-plus runs, that's a win, which means it's a series victory for the Boston Red Sox against the first-place Baltimore. Are you shaking your head over there? No, no, I'm enjoying the fun. It? I like delusion. I, I want to live in it. It's not delusion. It's, a, it's the truth. It, it's, it's, been, more- it's been 70 years. Yeah, 70 years. 70, 70 no. years! 64. What? 63. Jake, do that math, please. What's, how, what is it? What year was it? 1960 what? 60. Oh, are you, that's 40 plus. What year is it? <laughs> 23. Oh. 63. Uh, 63. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Go fuck right. yourself. I said you said you're right. Thank you. Tyler was right about something. He finally was right about something. Good, good math for you. Good math. Two tries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, series sucked. Series sucked. Uh, The season sucks now. But you know what? I'm not even like really that down. And I, oddly enough, I'm I'm a little intrigued about this Yankee series. I'll be honest. I, I am. There's a little bit of intrigue to it, just because. I mean, who I that. <laughs> here's my logic. Yes, I'm losing my goddamn mind, but here's my logic. Yankee fans, Jason Dominguez, 
I mean, they they were they were very much riding high. Uh, we talked about in the last episode about how like they won five straight games and it was against the Detroit Tigers and they started talking wild card and it was because they started to call up the kids. Jason Dominguez, 20 years old, very exciting prospect. He's going to be great, uh, but he is also having season ending surgery. And who knows what that means as far as his 2024 is concerned. It sucks. It's brutal. But I think that that takes some of the swagger out of the Yankees game for this series. Uh, the Red Sox just lost a series to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, the Yankees basically got no hit yesterday, like, or today, let's just say that they, they basically got no hit. Um, so both teams are kind of, I don't want to say limping. That's not the right word. They're moping. Both teams are moping. Both teams are dead on the side of the road. Both teams are dead. Both teams, like the Red Sox are coming off a, a a bad series against Baltimore and the Yankees are, are moping in because of the Dominguez news. Um, so both fan bases are kind of just like, let's just get this over with. Like the, like this series, Red Sox versus Yankees, four game set. It's basically like sex when you've been married for 35 years. It's like we still got to do it, but like, let's just get it over with. That's what this series is all about. Hashtag let's get this over with. Uh, and f- that's an exciting element for me because obviously I want the old Red Sox Yankees back. Uh, I want the Red Sox to be good again when the Yankees are good at the same time as the Red Sox, that competitive balance, that competitive energy between the two fan bases. It's unlike anything else in professional sports. But the fact that we're both just moping around, just waiting to die, uh, that's it's an alternate universe that just, you know, once we've all accepted our fate, it's not it's it's kind of fun. It's 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 fun to it's better that they're feeling the same way, too. It would be. Like, I would be miserable if the Red Sox, once again, were dead in September, no playoff hopes, but the Yankees, it was just like, yep, we're just coasting along, another division title, like, we'll be playing in October, see you losers later. It's like, no, we're both losers, and we can just get this miserable week over with together. We are both losers. It's that meme of the two homeless guys fighting, right? Right, Like, two bums fighting, let's see what the fuck happens. What (laughs) makes me sad is... While today, you know, when it was 7-3 and the rain delay happened, I switch over to the Yankees game and I'm like, fuck yeah, they've been no hit. They, they're they going to lose. The Red Sox will be three up on them. It would take an absolute disaster of a four-game series for this to go the other way. Well, no, of so course they, they fucking win. they can sweep and overtake us is what you're they, Yeah, it's two games, two-game gap. And that stresses me out. I do agree with you, though. The Jason Dominguez stuff, that was like the power source of everything going on. Yeah. Of them kind of just feeling like, all right, through all the bad, through the core, not looking like this is going to be the one that's going to win anything in New York. We can sit here and be so excited about uh, Jason Dominguez, you know, the Martian, yada, yada, all this stuff. Well, no, now, not only for this year, but probably a good portion of next year, they're going to be missing out. And it didn't even matter. The Kyle Higishioka walk off, all this different shit. It even mean anything to them. Kyle Higishioka? Oh, yeah. Did I say a word? Yeah. Say it. Higashioka. Kyle Higashioka. Kyle Higashioka. There you go. How to Higush? I don't know how nope. I said it before. Nope. I don't know how you said it before. However, I said it before that in the past for them to have that walk off moment today. I'm just saying on the Red Sox end, hopefully you can capture some of that magic. The Yankees have been experiencing lately where now Alex core has seemingly waved the white flag. He threw his comments whoa, whoa. this morning. I, I, I pump the brakes here. We'll what? talk about that in a second. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. First, this episode is sponsored by Knockaround Sunglasses, quality polarized affordable shades, including new MLB and U.S. women's soccer team pairs. Check them out at knockaround.com. Uh, let's one thing at a time here. One thing at a time. I, I think it's part of it. Well, before 
a, a, a white flag was officially waived. The Red Sox had to play a series against the Baltimore Orioles, uh, who are first place in the American League East. Very good team, as I tweeted. Same night that I tweeted that the Baltimore Orioles are really good. That was the night that they almost scored 13 runs and lost. That was a while. I had fun. I had fun. Did you not have fun on Saturday? I, like I know that like the, the final out was not fun, but the ride to get there, that was fun. Yeah, I don't know. When you I, have nothing to lose, when you have nothing to lose, Tyler, which we don't. Jake, did you watch the whole game on Saturday? Yeah, I watched it. Well, how would you describe like not the like losing the final out like the, you know, when it's over? Yeah, that sucks. That was a kick in the balls. But the back and forth aspect of it, like that was fun. It was an objectively good game for sure. Yeah. Like the yeah. Orioles don't give a fuck. Like, wait, what? How many uh, back is Tampa right now? They're eight and a half, I think, on the wild card. They're up. Uh, they're up three. Tampa won again today. So they were what? Up four after that game? Yeah, they must have been. Um, so, yeah, it's not like the Baltimore Orioles were not playing like we really need this game. And like the Red Sox were like, yeah, we might as well win a game because we're playing it. <laughs> the stakes were just not, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't do or die, but it was two really good offenses just going at it blow for blow. And the Red Sox pitching staff fucking sucks. It sucks. The way I'd kind of frame it, it was the perfect example of the 2023 Red Sox. Wasn't it right in that ballpark where, yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of wild. You got sick at one point. You felt depression. You're watching Chris Sale hitting 88 at certain points in a start for the second game in a row. And then at the end, while it was exciting, you still feel somewhat empty. You're still looking for more. You're still looking like, all right, yeah, it was interesting, but I didn't get exactly what I wanted. That's kind of what this game was. And it was so irritating to me in general, just for you, you know, all the way through up the ups and downs, whatever it was, Joe Jakes comes in that last earned run in the ninth inning ends up being the difference for you. Like talk yeah. about as annoying as a game could be. Yeah, it, it was fun. It's nice to see them still fight and continue to care. That's all you ask for. But to me, I, I couldn't get out or at least remove from my head the way Chris Sale looked in that game. It was it was depressing. And I think you saw Alex Cora in some way say after the game or earlier this morning, no, we're not going to pencil him in for Thursday. We're not at the point of shutting him down, but let's see how he responds. And it just rang that in my ear of, fuck, man, Chris Sale's still here another year. Like the rotation is pretty hard to figure out past Bayo and, you know, one of Crawford or Houck. You can't ask for anything out of Chris Sale anymore. You're not getting the May version of him. You're not seeing anything close to that. And that's really the roots of this game. It's roots of the season for what they've been. They just don't have enough starting pitching. I'm frustrated. Talk to me. I don't even know if I can. Why? I don't know if I can. Is it is it stuff we were talking about before the show? No, it's baseball related. Oh, no. Yeah. Bad? It's, it's, it's not going to make you happy. Do we have, is this a Jason Dominguez-esque thing? No, 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 no. I'm going to cover my mouth and Jake, you're going to have to bleep it. Uh, <laughs> you ready, Jake? Let's do it. I was told...
Like that's that's crazy. It's crazy, but I don't. <laughs> what do I don't, you? What is Jake? What do you do in those situations, Jake? Do you just like play like elevator music? I just write down nine fifty six. Bleep all this. Yeah, play play some like play some cool elevator music. Like like they're like they're on the line like waiting for uh for like a receptionist or something to pick up. Thank you. I can't even <laughs> comment on it, but it feels gammon's It's not. This is 100% like... Yeah. But I, I don't want to... I can't spoil it. In this... No. <laughs> let's just... All right. Put it this way. Let's, let's start at the beginning here. Let's, let's talk about... Uh, Let's let's talk about the first game of the series. Good because idea. I think I think the um, the middle game is probably going to get the most buzz, right? Like, would you agree? Oh, because easily. I, I think I, yeah, I think the middle game is the game that uh, you kind of look at and say this is kind of the problem with the team right now and what they need to fix moving forward. Um, so we can have a broader discussion in regards to that. But let's start. With the first game, um, what were your takeaways from Friday night? Well, the bats were asleep for the second game in a row, but it was really Tanner Houck, and it was the perfect Tanner Houck start uh, that we've seen and kind of questioned over this time where, great, through the first five innings, we're talking about a guy who gave up one run. It was, what, the Ryan O'Hearn homer? They went they went into the sixth inning, and it was a one nothing ball game, and then it just all came apart. Yeah, I, I think Hulk was at 57 pitches, but as we see, you know, third time through the order, it becomes hell. Well, yeah, he gets smacked around, and you know, when he leaves the game, it's 4 nothing. Another run comes in because Joe Jakes, once again, terrifying to watch on a big league mound. Just absolutely going to blow up the situation to whatever worse it could become. But yeah, we're, we're talking with Tanner Hulk, third time through the order. Opponents are hitting 302 with a 937 OPS. It, how many times are you going to see the same story over and over again? And I think that was a moment there where you were like, all right, maybe tonight's a night similar to Kansas, Kansas City, where you're like, all right, this could be kind of a building block for him. They're giving him the opportunity to keep going, you know, beyond that four or five inning spot. He just couldn't do it. And it's not just the fact that he couldn't do it. It's just he just starts getting smoked. You know, Cedric Mullins crushes that ball off of him. You lead off the inning with the Anthony Santander walk like it, it just wasn't. It was the proof of a guy who just doesn't have the stuff or at least another pitch to get through it. And we talk about the cutter or whatever it was that he was supposed to bring in this year. Is it really making a difference against lefties? Has it made him into a guy who can now figure them out and doesn't have to worry about it? No, it's not. Tanner Houck against lefties this year, they're hitting 292 off of him over a 900 OPS. So, you know, changing the arsenal, doing this different stuff, you're in the same situation you were entering this year where... Tanner Houck, if you believe he's a starter and Alex Cora is very heavily in saying like he has some of the best stuff, we believe in it. He's shown that he's the same guy he's continued to be. You compare him and Cutter Crawford, they're basically the same guy in the rotation. It's a five and so dive and get out. Good, that's, that's not a good thing. All right. I don't want to jump around, but I feel like it's impossible because especially the, the Red Sox are out of it. We're not breaking down the games game by game, inning by inning anymore. It's more just, I think, big picture, which is, I think, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're still listening to Red Sox podcast right now. I think that's what you probably want. Like, you're not sitting there being like, all right, Red Sox aren't going to the playoffs. Like, let me go listen to the series fucking loss recap. Like, that's just, I don't, that wouldn't be interesting to me as a fan. I want to hear big picture stuff. So, 
I, I think we can combine the first two games to have the bigger picture conversation, which is Tanner Houck. We've been having the conversation for three years that he can't see a lineup for a third time. Um, and then with Chris Sale uh, giving up the seven earned runs on Saturday and the velocity, everyone's talking about the velocity. And I, I think we've kind of talked about this in the past about Chris Sale is the one dude that everyone just obsesses over velocity with him. When it's up, it's great. When it's down, everyone's worried. I didn't always buy into that, but it's different now because back then it was like when he was throwing, he could throw 99, 100 and everyone's like, holy fuck, he's throwing 99, 100. And then there were points where he could live at 91 to 94 and still be really effective. Then you have this pass start where his fastball at times was coming in at 88 past two. Yeah. And and the slider, like if you're watching it, like there, uh, what was that? Maybe the fourth inning, fifth inning, fourth sounds right. Where he was almost exclusively throwing his slider because he knew he didn't have a fastball. And it, he's basically a two pitch. He very rarely will throw the change up. Like, do you have the the uh, pitch usage for sale on Saturday by any chance? Give me one second. I'll pull it up. I mean, I, I would I would venture to guess that the change-up usage was minimal to non-existent and the slider usage like i don't think it has an inning break breakdown like inning by inning or whatever but i would say do you have it inning by inning uh no i don't have it inning by inning. i don't inning. need it inning by inning but uh what, what was it i just accidentally clicked on the wrong day <laughs> <laughs> okay chris sale throughout this outing it was how many pitches total well, if they didn't use so many. Okay, total pitches on the day. It was 80. If we look at the slider, he threw it 43% of the time. Four-seamer, okay. 36% of the time. Change up 20%. Oh, that's that's surprising. I would have guessed like 8%. Yeah. And or, if we're talking, you know what it could be? I bet you that some of his fastballs registered as change-ups. Well, th- that's the weird thing once you start getting into there where, like, I think at first, last start, people were like, is he throwing something different? Is it like he's trying a new pitch for the velocity to drop down that much? But across the board, the velocity is down. The slider down negative 2.2 miles per hour. So, you know, drop that. The four-seamer, negative 1.8. So, like, that's what you're talking about. Everything coming off. Even the changeup was down half a tick. So, rough. Rough kind of scenario for him where you know whether it's the quick ramp up. I don't know if that's what it was. Tomorrow's one month. He's been back for a month now. And in those six starts, it's a 553 or a 438 fit. I appreciate the accountability, but like, yeah, ramp up, ramp up. It's been a month. So was this just they pushed him too fast and this is what he is right now and they're just hoping well, for the very best? Very minimal rehab time, right? Yeah, what? It was, I think, one rehab outing or two rehab yeah. outings, whatever it was. It's just, yeah. say what you will, what we saw of Chris Sale in May was legit. It was a guy who yes. could be a two or a three without a doubt uh, was dealing. Looked like one of the better pitchers in baseball. Whether that's what led to the injury and now coming back, he's scared to push himself that far or if he just doesn't have the proper time to ramp up. It really doesn't matter if you're the Boston Red Sox because all this tells you is you can't expect a single thing out of this guy. Not a single thing going into next year or you're going to be in a bad spot. So I I was in the booth on Friday night. Thank God it was the bottom half. I don't need all these people being like, (laughs) he's a jinx. (laughs) 
Yeah, the Red Sox give up so many runs when you're in the booth. <laughs> they give up so many runs all the fucking time. Have you been watching? Have you been watching? <laughs> but it was in the bottom half. And OB, towards the end, he asked me. Uh, we talked about the Like a Pro episode. We promoted that. Savannah Bananas episode. It's great. Go check it out. That's in 360. Uh, but he then asked me, like, what do you think about this offseason? What do they have to do? What do they have to do to be better? And I brought up a name. Um, Tyler's been banging this drum for a while. The Yamamoto drum. He's been banging it for a little bit. I brought up Yamamoto's name. I believe he threw a no, his second no hitter of the year, like 12 hours later. Uh, not of the year, just of his time in the MPB. Of his career? Yes. Um, and that would be like it for normal purposes in the past. You go out and sign a pitcher like that. That's a huge move. But like, just just walk through it with me, right? The Red Sox rotation for next year. You can't depend on Chris Sale. Kluber's gone. Paxton, we'll get to that. Ooh, we will get to that. Paxton should be gone. Probably is gone. We just had a conversation about Tanner Houck and how he can't get through a lineup for a third time. We've been saying that for three years. Uh, then you have Garrett Whitlock, who came out of the bullpen. Welcome back, Garrett Whitlock. It's great to see him. Um, uh, and Cutter Crawford, who I feel like is a, is a fine four or five. So let's just say, given what you've got, and then Brian Bayo, who I think you could probably put in at number two. Like if you sign Yamamoto, is that like that's not your fucking opening day start? Who's your who's your opening day starter next year? Because it was Corey Kluber this year. <laughs> uh, who's your opening day starter next year? Are you are you giving the ball to Brian Bayo? Is like, hey, we're turning the page. Like this is like the future is now. I would be cool with that. That sends a pretty cool message, I think, if Brian Bayo is your opening day starter. Uh, next year, uh, I just I, I think I look at it there, and I think with the money Yamamoto is going to get, the the hype is getting so crazy right now, and it's deserved. I'm not telling you he shouldn't be hyped. I'm not telling you you shouldn't so get excited. You are starting the Yamamoto sucks campaign right now. No, I'm not. I'm telling you there is a reason Brian Cashman was sitting at the fucking game watching, and you saw the picture with Cashman sitting there. Like yeah. every top notch organization in baseball is watching this kid and like drooling. And they're like, holy fuck. He turned 25 last month. He's about to win the triple crown on the MPB for the third year in a row. It's That's one of those what, things. Sawamura. That's what it's called. The, Correct. The Cy Young in Japan is the Sawamura. And, and like, I think there's a couple elements of this. People don't like exactly pay attention to look at Kodai Senga, like Kodai Senga, fantastic pitcher over in Japan. One of the best. You know, he's coming this year and it was a little rocky early. The numbers were good, but the, you know, under the hood stuff wasn't. He was walking a lot of guys. He has a 307 ERA and 26 starts. The FIP's like 3-5. So yeah. our, we're talking about a guy in Kodai Senga who had some bumps, went through some shit, but was able to do it. We're talking, he had injury concerns as part of the reason his contract, what it was. Yamamoto is just, he's a young kid. He's a kid you can plug in and like just hope that he's going to lead your rotation for, you know, probably seven or eight years, whatever this contract ends up coming out to. But People are going to be throwing money at him left and right. You know, it felt like 200 million early. It feels like definitely 250 million now. What's going to happen when teams start throwing money at him? When you have the Dodgers who now have a massive hole, massive hole in their rotation moving forward that they kind of need to figure out. They could throw money at him. You have the Yankees, the Phillies are tied to him. Here you are, the Red Sox. Like this My, is going to be uh, an all time, like throw the money at the guy bidding war. Yeah. Well, you're under the luxury tax. You have no excuse. If you like the player, go get the player. That's what they did with the Yoshida. It was on a much smaller scale. 
He didn't even break 100. But if you like the player, go get the player. And you need to, like, what the fuck else are they going to do? Like, the, the free agency across the board is very underwhelming. And that's the guy. Like, if there's a guy, go get the guy. That's the it, guy. It, like, where I'd kind of approach it to it from as well as, I don't know. It, does it have to be him? No. But when I tell you that, there's no zero fucking none excuse not to add. And I don't think it's one arm. I think you need two arms. I, I See, I don't even I don't like your attitude right now, Tyler. If you can go get me Blake Snell and Aaron Nola, all right. Like it, or you know, Blake no, Snell no, 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 and no. Corbin no, no, Burns no, no, no. or no, Brandon no, Woodruff. No, 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 no. See, this is the problem. This is the problem with the 20 somethings <laughs> Red Sox fans. Like, I think if you like you should <laughs> when I was a Red Sox fan growing up, if there was a big name free agent, that's who we wanted. Why? Because we're the fucking Red Sox. That's why. There's no reason why. Like you, you can't sit there and say, Yamamoto is out there. He's going to cost a lot of money. So let's look at the the next tier. Mm-mm. No. Especially now that you're you're under the luxury tax. It's just money. You don't have to give up prospects. It's just money. It's just John Henry's money. You start at the top. And if he signs somewhere else, that's when you start talking about the Blake Snells and the Giolitos and the whoever the fucks. Like right now, I'm it's Yamamoto. Or fuck you. Put it on a t-shirt, Jake. <laughs> I, that's it. I don't I don't want to hear about anybody else. And and that's why I, you know, when you're laying out the rotation right now and what can carry over next year, it's not much. Like, cause I don't even, I'm not even set on Carter Crawford being in the rotate. I like him out of the bullpen. I like him in the rotation. Whatever. He he can go back and forth. Like, I haven't seen enough to be like, he's got to be in the rotation oh. next year. Jared, legit, if you look, and it's funny, you can do the split now. Since Cutter Crawford went back into the rotation, he's had 17 starts. So that's the beginning of June. Tanner Houck has 17 starts throughout this year. It's a 528 ERA on Houck's end with a 424 FIP. On Cutter Crawford, it's a 470 ERA, but a 419 FIP. So under the hood, they're the same fucking guy. It's the same five and dive. If you give him five innings, he'll get you to a certain point. I guess all I'm saying on the... Which is fine for the back end. Five, but yeah. Like, go you've got to do better. Holy fuck, do you have to do better. And Way better. I know it's just one game. You can't, you can't look at one game and be like, see, that's why we need to do this overhaul of the pitching staff. But it's because Saturday was essentially a microcosm of the whole year where there's been spots that have come up where you've needed to call up a shutdown reliever and you don't fucking have that guy. Or you do have that guy, but you had to use him last night. So he's down. It's just, it's like the fact that the fact it's, it's kind of a catch 22 because Cora did say like, this is the best bullpen that I've managed in the regular season, at least since I've been in Boston, the fucking Jansen, um, uh, Chris Martin and Josh, that guy. It's a great combo. It's a great combo. It is. It's not even just them. Like you start to mix and match some of these other pieces as well. It's an elite bullpen. I I love Bernardino, by the way. I'm just like a big Bernardino. Big Bernie guy. You got to love Bernie. That's a guy and he has team control, so he's not going anywhere. Um, You know, Garrett Whitlock looked like Garrett Whitlock today. And I think with a full Mm -hmm. offseason, just don't jerk him around. Just keep him there. Let's make it easy. The body is the body. Keep him there. But what 
it doesn't matter how good your bullpen is if you can't go deep into games. And like, that's just the reality they fall into over and over again. You see today, you get five out of Brian, Brian Bayo and you're fucking, you're golden. It's like, oh, all right, we can just pass it off to Wink and then Whitlock. And then before we know it, we're in the ninth inning, you have a chance to add insurance runs. I love Yamamoto. And I think there's things, I don't know if you saw the Masataka Yoshida quote uh, that came from I the Herald. from you, actually. Yes. I, so I thought that was very interesting just to hear Yoshida be like, I love that guy. We're very close. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, you're not going to force him into a Red Sox uniform. Can't say anything like that. But to know maybe Yoshida can get in there and help a bit. I think that goes a long way. I just I look at it and while Yamamoto checks off all the boxes for me, and that's why with the Red Sox, the only way the Red Sox should lose out is if he just picks somewhere else. If he's just like, hey, maybe I follow the path of Shohei Otani. I want to be on the West Coast. Well, fuck it. What are you going to do about that? Right. Like that's baseball at the end of the day. But you should be in that dollar total with whatever other any other teams throwing at them. I just think there's other ways to build a team. I, I don't think there's one way. And I think you're giving an excuse to the Red Sox front office. If you say, well, Yamamoto didn't want to come here. So sorry, the rotation isn't where it is. Fuck no. There is plenty of options on the starting pitching market. You can build this thing together. You have trade options. Don't tell me that it's Yamamoto or bus when you've been hoarding this farm system. It's top 10, you know, top five to some publications or whatever. Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, one of those. Uh, look at the Mariners, the George Kirby shit. They were shopping a starter at the deadline. You Maybe want it's Ger- Mitch George Keller. Kirby after the shit he said? Yep. Come join me. Uh, I'll go pick up George Kirby. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get you to toughen up. But the numbers are the numbers. That guy, he's going to be a front of the rotation arm for a long time. Oh, man. For a discount, too? That was tough. It, it's one of those things. Tough. And he Young, wouldn't come at a, at a discount. He wouldn't. Probably not. But if they're in a situation where they're kind of beefing and they're like, all right, we got to shop them. And, you know, who knows? I'd be willing to take in a George Kirby. It's going to be so expensive either way. But no, those comments, whatever. He's a young kid and he said something stupid. Wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last time. Um, I. First of all, I love where this conversation is going. Um, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's the fact that we have. We've been through so many disappointing seasons recently that like what's another one at this point? Like uh, Tyler just gone. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, I'll wait. OK, welcome back. Sorry, I haven't been able to see you for the last 10 minutes. It was hard to talk. Jesus. Well, uh, <clears throat> what I was saying was I don't know if it's because we've been through so many disappointing seasons lately consistently that this one is just easier to swallow like I'm still disappointed like it still sucks and like I I don't know I'm still down about it but I'm not devastated at the end of the year and maybe that's because I was able to accept and move on from this season while it was still happening that it's allowed me to kind of focus on the offseason sooner which is where I'm at and which which is where we are at as a show and all this talk is great about what they can do who they should go after like identifying guys and the fact that they will be under the luxury tax so they can actually spend a ton of money. But where there is pause for me is the Bloom conversation. <clears throat> because if the Red Sox are kicking the tires on uh, a David Stearns, then that would tell you that they're not sold on Heim. And if they're not sold on Heim, I would venture to guess the Red Sox probably aren't pumped that that report is out there because it it really does tip your hand. Like you're saying you're just saying, like, 
hey, like it, it put it if you were in a relationship and it got back to your girlfriend that you were on a dating app, she would probably be pissed. She would probably be like, fuck, I guess I need a new boyfriend now because you're looking for a new girlfriend. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Like, are there internal conversations happening with Haim to reassure him that he's not going anywhere? Is it radio silence there? Like, it's a very public affair, right? Uh, someone put out the quote from John Henry the other day, uh, and I had forgotten about it. It was kind of crazy. And with all this talk we've been having you know, on this, on radio, whatever, uh, it was a John Henry quote where, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have the guy leading your front office go into, you know, the final year of his contract. Like, if this is a guy who's supposed to be here long term and building your franchise, he shouldn't be going into that lame duck year kind of hanging out. I think mm -hmm. what it is, and you want to put it in relationship terms, they like Haim, they don't love him. And that's more than fair. You haven't done the thing, Haim, to make us like, damn, like, mm, like you're a bad motherfucker. Like, I want to spend my life with you. Yeah. You've done some good things. You've also done some bad things. You got yeah. red flags. So, mm -hmm. and I think that's where it is, where if they find the perfect match, David Stearns, a guy who could be, you know, a guy who was considered one of the elite nerds across the sport, someone who's never had the chance to work with this kind of payroll, a guy that's someone who has unlimited money like Steve Cohen is drooling over and doing everything in his power to get. Yeah, it's the same as the Theo thing, right? Like, if you can tell me I'm going to get fucking Kim Kardashian yeah, that's versus what, yes, this, yes, it's like, yes. oh, fuck, dude, it's Kim Kardashian. Yes, but that's a, you know what, Tyler, that may be the best analogy that you've ever used on this show. Thank that's you. That's where we're at. It's like, you've got a girlfriend and it's like, yeah, like she's really nice. Like I can take her home to mom. Like my parents like her very nice. But like she's done some wild shit that like I don't know if that's marriage material. Like great girl for now. Like I, I like dating you and we can go out on some dates. But like even when we go out on dates, like you're doing some shit where I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Like I don't know if this is like a forever thing. And then the whole Theo Epstein thing comes about where it's like, all right, it's a 1% shot. Let's just call it, Let's just put a number on it. 1% chance. That Theo Epstein comes back. If I if if I was in a relationship with someone where I was like, there's some good things, there's some bad things. Like I'm really, I'm really not sure I see the long term viewpoint here. Like I don't know if I'm engagement ring shopping. And then all of a sudden, uh, Margot Robbie follows me on Instagram. Then I'm like, I got like a one percent shot here. Like she followed me. Like yeah. there's got to be some level of interest there. She followed me on Instagram. She and only follows 200 people. So like, and you're know. not breaking up with your girl in that moment, but no. you're like, Am I, I'm going to shoot her a message. I'm gonna be like, what's good. You yeah, know what's what I mean? Like, what's how up? you doing? Yeah. Um, what's, you, what's up with that fun ass? You okay, baby girl. Yeah. Uh, like That's, I think where the Red Sox are. And I, I don't blame them. I think it's fair to sit out there. Cause like I said, Heim has not proven yet that he should be the guy to get a massive extension. That's why Agreed. going into this offseason, I agree with the stance. And I think even if it's from just a PR standpoint, you can't let him and core going into their last years. Give them a two year extension. Both of them give them a couple years. And if you have to fucking fire him, you have to fire. You have to fire them. It is what it is. We see it across sports all the, all the time where someone gets a couple year extension and then it doesn't work out. They're good. They move on. That's what I would do if the, if I was the Red Sox and I couldn't land one of the big fish. And I'll be real with you. I don't think they're going to. That Ken Rosenthal article that came out a couple days ago, who was the number two team behind the Mets for David Stearns? It's the Astros. So, like, you're not the number one. You're not the number two. You're the number three. And the Astros connection, well, obviously, I don't even was... Give a fuck. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about having David Stearns here. I think it would... Whatever. Like, you know, if that's what happens, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pivot. But 
the whole David Stern's report, what you take out of that is that the Red Sox are looking elsewhere. That's what mm-hmm. you take from it. It's not the fact that it's him. What's his philosophy and this and that. It's it's the fact that they're looking elsewhere. That's the detail that you take out of it. Uh, but to the conversation that we had last episode. Uh, if it's not Heim, because I will double down here. I thought it was a given that Heim Bloom was going to get this offseason, that it was make or break that what he did to improve the roster for next year was either going to get him an extension or get him fired before opening day. Like this, he had the off season and this is your last shot. Then again, like I started poking around asking people like, Hey, you know, do you think high makes it out of November? And I didn't get a single yes. And I was like, okay. So I, now I'm changing my opinion, not because it's how I like, it's, it's not because of the logic that I applied. Like my logic and reason would tell me that he has the offseason to to make or break his tenure in Boston. But then like these other very educated people are telling me, I don't think he makes it out of November. So that's when I start to give more credence to the David Stearns report. Not so much that it's David Stearns, but that the Red Sox are looking or that they have their they have wandering eyes. But I'll also throw in the tidbit about how I felt that if they do hire a David Stearns type, does that mean that Heim has to go? Do you think they could coexist? I don't know. Because I when you when you brought up the Dave Dombrowski, Ben Charrington comparison, they didn't fire Ben Charrington and hire Dave Dombrowski. They hired Dave Dombrowski and asked Ben Charrington if he, it, it was a demotion, but they gave him the opportunity to stay in the organization. And he's like, no, fuck that. And he left on his own volition. So, and I think that's what exactly I think they if they could try to pull the strings here and say, hey, well, Heim, we're not telling you to leave. I think Heim would just be like, you're spitting in my face. You're, you're demoting me in front of me. Like, what am I supposed to say? It's a hard look. Can you imagine working with all these people? And then, damn, I'm no longer really the boss. I'm no longer the guy calling the shots. Uh, the Red Sox knew what was going to happen when they played that card. It's fine to put the offer out there. But I don't know. I think where it comes in terms of them looking elsewhere, though, is, you know, it has to be a clear you know, step forward. You have to be making a big jump. I just have a hard time believing they're going to be making a big jump when the guy they've been connected to and David Stearns, right? Like it seems pretty clear he's going to the Mets. If not, the number two choice for him is the Astros. Who else then? Would we have started to hear some more rumbling, some more names? I know Brian Sabian months ago. That was yeah. one time in an article. We haven't heard anything since. No. And it who had goes, that, by the way, was that the athletic? It was Heyman, I think, or ah. it was either him or Bowden or, one of those guys. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about that, uh, especially once the season ends and they do their little. That's going to be awkward. <laughs> that's going to be awkward when the season ends and it's Sam Kennedy up there with Heim up there with Cora up there with maybe Tom Warner. I don't know. Uh, but it's kind of like the end of the year. Hey, ask us anything because we're not going to be available to you probably until January. And I'm sure that there will be reporters sitting up there that are going to ask about Heim's job security to Sam Kennedy while Heim is sitting right there. They'll ask about Alex Cora's job security. Well, ask Alex Cora sitting right there. I don't think that Alex Cora is in danger. <clears throat> I know that. There are some individuals out there that have have flip flopped on Cora this year. 
I don't think he's in danger. Uh, with Haim, I didn't think he was in danger either until a couple weeks ago when I started talking to people that felt otherwise. So that's going to be a very interesting day. And perhaps it gives us more clarity. I, and I, I've i said this before. I'll say it again. This organization misses Larry Lucchino's presence. <laughs> Maybe not Lucchino himself. Uh, he's he's uh, in a he's in an older age now. He's in a different part of his life now. And if he were still here, then that makes that chance of Theo zero percent. Um, but we do as an organization miss that fuck you that that Italian temper. <laughs> we miss that. Uh, I keep going back to this word too: conviction. I this organization has lacked conviction. Um, and that starts with Heim. Like, I, I think that that's people say, oh, you won't criticize. Yeah, that's that is my criticism of Heim is that I think the organization lacking some sort of conviction. I think that starts with him. Maybe that narrative changes this winter. If if it's if it's Thanksgiving and you've already checked off the box, Yamamoto's here. Now you get a whole offseason to kind of pick at some other pieces, then yeah. Like, be aggressive. Work with conviction. Because from everything else that's gone on since he's been here, there hasn't been much, if any, conviction. And I um, I don't love that. And I don't think you can win that way. Like, the examples being the, the Garrett Richards of the world and the Corey Klubers of the world, when just a little bit of conviction, a little bit more aggressiveness, and maybe Kevin Gosman's here. Maybe maybe the season that Michael Walker is having for the Padres, he's having for the Red Sox again this year. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, that's kind of that's been my main criticism of Heim is I, I think it's I don't know rude's not the way the right word, but it's like have have some balls, have some fucking balls up yeah. there when you're calling the shots. And it felt like 2022 was the chance to do that. And he kind of, I will say the one thing he's been convicted towards is sticking to his philosophies, no matter what. And I do think there's times though, where even in your own philosophies, you need to look at a situation and say, all right, this is a moment where not everything there's a, I guess the phrase I'm looking for, there's a, not an excuse, but an exception to every rule, right? Like there's a time when you kind of go over or you break what you believe in something to get a deal done or to push yourself over, or you feel like this is the one exception to that time when I'm supposed to go nuts or spend a certain amount of money. All right, well, this is the time. This is when you're supposed to go over the luxury tax. You should be spending at least, I would hope, $40 million over the luxury tax. I want to see you where the Yankees are in that like 260, 270 area. Go spend and see what you can do with it and go crazy. I guess where I sit is if you get to the end of the season here and there isn't an entire organizational movement that's made clear what next year is going to be, I'm concerned. I don't like that. The day this offseason starts, if you're going to have the conviction to get to go get this deal done with Yamamoto, like you did with Yoshida, where, hey, I don't give a fuck. We're getting our guy. We don't care if we're pushing over. We don't care if Scott Boris looks at it and signs the deal immediately because he's like, oh, shit. Like, this is where the Red Sox are. I need that level of conviction. And if you're going through a whole front office reshuffling, you know, trying to figure things out in October, I don't love that. I want to see a clear cut plan that you're just ready to strike 
We're all in one force. We're all on the same page. I know at times the last couple of years, it hasn't seemed that way where core is on one page, Bloom's on another. Even ownership feels you know, like they don't understand exactly what's going on. You need to be moving in one. You need to have a fantastic offseason. You need to go and reshape your entire starting rotation. That is a hard thing to do. That is a very hard thing to do in one offseason. But you have the all the tools to do it. So what's the excuse? You just can't get caught in between or get caught in a spot where Xander Bogarts leaves and then you're changing your whole offseason plan on a dime. I don't want to see none of that shit again. There's no time. You're taking deals off the table for Nate Evaldi because you're like, oh, fuck. Well, this really isn't a competitive year for us anymore. We're going to be treating it like a bridge year. None of that. The guy you want, go get them and leave nothing on the table. Now, I would hope Yamamoto is that guy. If not him, guess what? You better ink that fucking deal with Blake Snell or if it's Aaron Nola or if it's a deal for another guy. Great. You need to have a straight plan. I don't want to see any in between pure conviction. That's what the Red Sox need. Well said, Tyler. Well said. You've been on a great show. Can you believe that we've had seven months without an NFL game? It's crazy. Good thing that's over. Jared, Jared, we're watching football. We're, we're, football's on, Jared. NFL is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up With game day greatness, all customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app and see what you get. Download now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That is promo code Jared, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms. Jared. Yes. Okay. Let me match a couple of these arms together and, tell, and you tell me if it's enough. If you okay. look at that rotation come opening day. And this isn't perfect. This is still probably leaving out who's going to be that number four-ish arm, even mm-hmm. though I think it's going to be Chris Sale. I hate to fucking say it, but I I'm think it's going to be... I'm not saying he won't be here. I think he will be here. It's just you can't depend on him to be here no, at all. I, like you need insurance. It, it'll be Chris Sale slash one of Helker Crawford, whoever doesn't get the rotation spot to start the year. Mm-hmm. If they got Yamamoto and Jordan Montgomery. um, So call it Yamamoto, Bayo, Montgomery, Sale... I don't know, Crawford. Crawford, Hoax, some combination of. Yeah, take your poison. Uh, Pavetta's back too, right? <clears throat> They're going to let him finish the year starting. Uh, but he's he's got a, another year of control is what I mean. Correct. Uh, I could see him sneaky being a real trade candidate guy, but I think they might also look at him and say, 
We really like having someone who can move between the bullpen and rotation, depending on an emergency. Maybe he's the one who steps in so they don't have to jerk a Tanner Houck back and forth if they say, well, him and Whitlock are going to be relievers from this point forward. Um, I like Jordan Montgomery. I don't. I don't like that he's not like a high velo guy. But for the regular season, it's like, how how could I sit there and tell you that I don't think his stuff would play as like a frontline guy in a postseason rotation when it's like, you know, got to fucking get there first. And you look at it this year, like he's at 160 innings. So, you know, you hope he can be a little more sturdy on that. But yeah, I think he's kind of your prototypical three. It's just like when you start to map this conversation out, the likelihood that they're going to pay ace money for two guys, I'd consider extremely low. I would hope you get me an ace caliber and then someone that, you know, depending on the year, two or three in that zone. Now, that's Jordan Montgomery. Well, if I told you Sonny Gray, you'd probably say no because of what happened in New York, right? Um, no. I, I think I think Sonny Gray has found something like I, I the the New York thing was puzzling to say the least because I mean the dude pitched at Vanderbilt it's not like he's he pitched at fucking I don't even know like some <laughs> he didn't pitch for a college where they're Curry uh, College yeah like he he pitched at Vanderbilt he, he pitched for Tim Corbin so I don't know it's not I don't think he's soft uh I think he had a bad experience in the Bronx but I think he could handle Boston just fine also, so, like Red Sox fans are not asshole fans like Yan- the Yankees. Like the Yankees let's fans, be, like, boo all their play. You think the Red Sox fans are going to boo Sonny Gray if he has a bad start his first time out? All of us who have been Red Sox fans here for a while, didn't we all do Sonny Gray mock trades back in the day? You remember oh, yeah. that era? Like that yeah. was a major thing we all did. Yeah, try and get so him like, and that's a guy like two ninety ERA. He's been excellent, but he's what going into his age thirty four season next year. Yeah, but makes me feel very old. But that's someone who, all right, well, you're going to hand out the big time deal to Yamamoto. Can you get Sonny Gray on a pretty good five year, you know, mid thirties deal? Like it's kind of the Nate Aldi question, right? Like it's another form of Nate Aldi. But I guess you'd look at Sonny Gray and you could say, well, yeah, that's another guy who misses some starts every single year. And you kind of just hope for the best. How do you feel about Nate Evaldi now? I think you got what Nate Evaldi is. Like at some well, point, the elbow was going to bark. Stupid now, right? No. Well, well, everyone wanted to beat up the Red Sox for not bringing him back, and that's the the risk that you run with Nate Evaldi is that there's going to be an injury at some point, more often than not. And when he comes back, what is he going to look like? And it's only been one start, and the Rangers didn't fucking give him a rehab start. They're just like, oh, you're healthy enough to go. All right, then go. And he, he did not pitch well. Yeah, I, I'll put it like this. You definitely would have been better off if you were the Red Sox if Nate Evaldi was on your team this year. Uh, and I think what happened is to be expected. This is the Nate Evaldi thing where, you know, you may get some dominant pitching for a good portion of the season. He's going to get hurt. And when he comes back, he doesn't look like the guy he needs to be. The only season we've seen him be fully healthy over the course of 162 was 2021. Um, you would have been better with Nate Evaldi. Still, you chose. And it, it all changes because of what happened with the luxury tax. But you know, that's why you end up with Corey Kluber. People want to draw that like direct comparison is that's who they chose instead of Evaldi. No, they realized they weren't going to be competing at the same level. So they brought everything and scaled it down. Yeah. Do I think your season outlook changes that much with Nate Evaldi? Maybe get a couple more wins. I still don't think you're making the playoffs. No. But I who knows? Maybe. maybe your bullpen isn't a shot, but I'm not putting them in the playoffs uh, at that spot. Like right now, now, is it is it dramatic to say that they're in danger of finishing with a winning record? 
The Rangers or the Red Sox? The Red Sox. Um, not quite at the point of where I'm worried about that, but I think they're closer to that 83 win mark than like 85. There's 19 games left, right? The Red Sox uh, would have to go. Is it 19? I think so. And the Red yeah. Sox are at what? 73 wins, no. I believe. 70. Yeah, they're 73 and 70. So to get to 85, they'd have to go 12 and seven. It's a little steep. It's a little steep. To go over 500, they need to go nine and 10. Four against the Yankees, three in Toronto, three in Texas, three with the White Sox, two with Tampa, and then they finish with four in Baltimore. You're, <laughs> you telling, me, you're telling me that at three games over 500 with that remaining schedule, that finishing the season with a winning record isn't in jeopardy? I, I wouldn't say I'm worried. Is it a fair thing to wonder? Yeah, but it, you would have to really suck. Now, where the opposite they point really comes suck. in. They, their, their pitching situation really sucks. Yeah, it's not good. Jackson's but, done. Sale is toast. Cut, uh, Cutter and Hauk. It's like they'll give you three and a third of five earned. <laughs> like, it's not pretty. You got Bayo Day, and that's about it. And even Bayo is kind of... I don't want to say he's hit a snag, but he's not seven innings of one earned run baseball anymore. He's he'll give you five and three. Give, he'll give you a chance to win, but he's not he's not pitching like an ace right now. And then you throw in as well that they're seemingly going to be playing the kids now. Like Cora seems to officially have accepted that. But that, that could factors be a good in a thing. whole nother that range. Could be a good things. thing could be good, could be bad. You yeah, might I mean, go out there and watch oh, Robbiella not hit for weeks. Uh, announcement: It's back to Willier. <clears throat> he doesn't know what he wants. He was, I was listening to Will break it down. Yeah, he went. He's Willier Abreu. Then he told Will Fleming that he's Wilger Abreu, and now he is back to Willier. So he is Willier Abreu. Whatever you want, Willier. I'm not going to question it anymore. Well, he went six. Uh, for, like I, I mean, playing playing the kids is not a bad thing. Six for six, five hits on Saturday. Um. Rafael, great catch in center. Yeah, Abreu right now hitting 342 with the 931 OPS in 12 games. Rafael is 8 for 21. So what's the problem? Even even Emmanuel Valdez, 137 weighted runs created plus. He's hitting over 302 since he got called back up. There you go. Can't, can't it, feel the ground ball to save his fucking life, but he can hit. It, listen, ground balls are hard, right? Um, but yeah. I think that's where the Red Sox are, where you hope you catch what the Yankees had going a little bit, where the young guys come in and give you this big jolt. But there's ups and downs that come with all of it. You just got to hope if you're a Red Sox fan that those last four games against Baltimore, they've punted. They don't give a fuck. Um, you know, the White Sox, the Yankees, you better take care of business in these series. Show up and maybe go through one of those little solid hot streaks. Not going to change the playoff conversation, but. That can be the difference between you finishing, you know, maybe right at 500 or a couple games above. But like all of it, like I think there is something to the winning losing record. You definitely want to finish above 500, 82, definitely. 85 wins anywhere definitely. in there. Definitely. How? Yeah. When's the last time they had a losing record? Like June? Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was trying to say last episode. Those were some of the things I was like, geez, man, like all these narratives start to climb in last place again. If you finish below 500, how much of it, how much do you look at it as a real step from last year? And I think there's other parts of this with the young core and stuff that you take into account. But yeah, you would like to finish above 500 to end the season. Just changes yeah. the whole outlook of it. 
Yeah. Like, I'm trying to find the last time that they had a losing record. Uh, they finished June with a losing record. Yeah, they were 41 and 42 on June 30th. And then they built up a winning record from there. So, yeah. <laughs> it would be very disappointing <laughs> at this point. Like, this is not a losing team. They're not, they're not losers. They're not a playoff team. But they're not a losing team. They're not a last place. Like, this is not a last place team. No. Well, you're playing in the AL East. That's a big part of the conversation here. I guess, but like, yeah. They're not a last place. The Yankees are a last place team. That team stinks. They stink. Red Sox don't stink. But if you go into New York and you play like dog shit, you choose to be the up and down 2023 Red Sox and this is one of your lower moments. Or yeah, coming here, whatever. That's the conversation you kind of look at here where they get their teeth kicked in. The Yankees will be ahead of you. That's it. Take three out of four or, you know, sweep the series, whatever. You're you putting that out into the universe a lot. Though. I'm not. I'm just saying. Like, those are the things that kind of creep in. the universe a lot. Sneaky big series. Sneaky big series against the Yankees. I, I, will, I will agree with that take. It is a sneaky big series. I think, it, I think we sound like pathetic losers for saying that, but it's true. It, listen, we can't help that we're fighting over crumbs here. Like, that's the realities of the situation. But you go there, you take three games, you give a little more breathing room with the Yankees, kind of establish your dominance. All right, you ride this pony out for the rest of the year. You see what happens. You get your teeth kicked in by the Yankees. You might spiral for the next couple of weeks. I agree. Well, I mean, the schedule is hard enough as it is. If if they lose three out of four to the Yankees, oh. do I think that that's the ca- catalyst for them having a losing record to finish out? No. I yeah. Um, I think if things go wrong against the Yankees, that's a good sign that they're going to spiral down the next couple of weeks. Maybe. But Where's your relief coming from? Uh, yeah, I know. That was your problem on Saturday. You show up against the Yankees, keep your head above water, bridge yourself at least until you get to the White Sox series and you can get a couple more wins. That, or at least try to win a series. That could really send things into a downward spiral if they lose a series to the fucking White Sox. I don't even want to picture it. I don't either. But who knows? Teams get weird. Teams get hot. You don't know what the, they may just be saying. Fuck it. Let's ha- let's have fun and go nuts. And the Red Sox are all depressed. You got veterans on the team who are kind of like, damn, man, we're really just waiting out the weeks till vacation. Can get bad. It can get bad. Jake, where are you at on your baseball team right now? Well, I will say I think it's pretty funny that this series against the Yankees is like Tyler's biggest series of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to see them finishing last because I just don't want to see the shit on Twitter. And Tyler obviously doesn't want phone calls at the sports hub being like another last place team. But I mean, at this point, I'm just I'm watching Rafaela, I'm watching Bayo, I'm watching Abreu, guys like that, and I'm I'm just enjoying it. I'm not like living and dying with every win and loss. Yeah, I will say I was very into the game on Saturday. Like it was fun. When that ball got down, Trevor Story, when he hit that ball in the corner and it got down, I was fucking amped. But I also was laughing, being like, I know exactly how this ends. Like, they're going to get within one and lose. And that's exactly what happened. But did it hurt? No. It was more just like, ah, you let me down. 2023 Red Sox. You fucking tease me to the point where, you know what? I believe a little. And they just fucking yank it out from underneath you and you feel stupid forever having faith. Yeah. Like, that game was fun. 
electric back and forth, old school offensive showdown and see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm sick of the roller coaster. I'm sick of riding it. I've been riding the roller coaster for fucking five and a half months. I want to go home. Take me home, mom. I want to go home, he says. Were you part of the, uh, and there was a good amount of them. I know Will Fleming was on the side. Should mm-hmm. they have sent, uh, who was it, Story? It was Story coming yeah. home on that play? I was surprised that he wasn't sent, but it's one of those things where I'm not, I'm not like beating my chest being like, how the fuck didn't you send him? Blah, blah. It was more just like, ah, like I would have gotten caught. If I were the third base coach, I would have gotten caught up in the moment and sent him. Not knowing like it wasn't, it wasn't painfully obvious that he should have been sent, but I definitely would have been caught up in the moment and been like, this is such a fucking crazy game that why not send him? That's that was my thought process. Yeah. Like it, it was, that would have made it 13, 13, right? Yeah, tie game. Yeah, I mean, there were there was two outs. Uh yes, two outs. Fuck it, like you're in full fucking mode. You were down four going into the inning. You have over twenty hits in the game. You at least have twelve runs. Like the worst thing, the worst that could happen is you score twelve runs and lose. They have thirteen runs. Like fucking send. It's got to be a perfect throw. It's one of your fastest, most athletic runners. Like it's not Devers. Like it's Trevor's story. Like I'm probably taking my chances, but admittedly, if story's out by three feet, then I would have been like, ah, my bad. I like I just got I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna defend it being like, I thought it was the right move. I would have been like, I got caught up in the moment there. The crowd was crowd was amped. It's story. Fuck it. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. Why not? That was my logic. The thing that stuck out to me, and I didn't notice it in the moment, was Cano coming across. Wherever Trevor's story was going to be, where that throw came in, Cano was going to cut it off. Story would have been out before he even got a chance to slide. Cano yeah. was in front of the plate coming across tracking. Good on him. I didn't see it in the moment because I'm staring at the fucking catcher as well. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, fuck it. Let's let's go nuts. And I think with Carl's Feblis, listen, we've shit on him on this podcast. He gets shit on on Twitter very hard. A lot of it well deserved. That one right there. I'm not going to kill him for holding there. Valdez has been hitting very well since he came up as well. You take your shot. And Cora said, and I think Cora would have just left it alone last night. And he goes, yeah, I, I understood the decision. Came in this morning. He was like, definitely was the right fucking decision. Thank God they didn't send him. Good, you know, I'm not going to beat up on Feblis. He made the right move there. For Cora to come in the next morning and be like, oh, definitely it was the right move. I think that kind of tells you what it is. Yeah. I've never shit on Carlos Feblis. I love Carlos Feblis. I have, and I will continue to do so when necessary. I love Carlos my dog seems like a good dude the best the best um jake you have any blue moons this past weekend every single night because playoffs are just around the corner and the red Sox won't be there but that doesn't mean you can't still stick to your lucky rituals like the ritual of enjoying an ice cold blue moon while the game is on won't be the Red Sox, but it'll be a game. Make it your one-of-a-kind baseball tradition whether you're at the park or watching from home. We'll be at home and you know who else should be at home this week? Tyler Milliken. Tyler has declared this the biggest Red Sox series in the last three years, including the 2021 playoffs. And if he wants even a sliver of a chance to take three out of four or sweep the Yankees this week, he better stay the hell away from Fenway Park. So everyone should just send him some Blue Moon so he drinks them all and can't drive and can't get to Fenway Park. And he'll have a great night drinking Blue Moon. 
And really, how could you not enjoy that refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander? Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? Its bold flavor, bright color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Brighten up your baseball traditions with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate you as always. Uh, you want to talk a little Paxton here? Yeah. I do have a Bayo thought as well that I want yeah, to give some you, Why don't you to. start with Bayo? Yeah, I think for Bayo, we're watching kind of a little bit of a transformation from him in front of us. Uh, he had three strikeouts today with the slider. And this is, you know, a couple of episodes we brought this up. But it's like, a, it's labeled as a slider from Baseball Savant, but it's really more of a sweeper action. He's changed the movement of the pitch. That's the major thing here. Originally, it kind of looked a little bit like a curveball. Then it had a little bit more movement on it. Now, it went from that horizontal movement to, or that vertical movement to horizontal. You see it going away from a righty, and it's filthy. Now, he had four whiffs on it again today. He had four whiffs on it in his last start. The three strikeouts with the slider in this game, that's the second start in a row he's done that. He had six strikeouts on his slider in his first 20 starts of the year. He's up to eight in his last five. When we talk about Brian Bayo and some of the concerns about him not missing bats enough, not having another pitch to put guys away, well, look at him. He's doing it. And he's implemented the cutter this year as well. We're watching a guy who's not afraid to just go out there and you know find something in between starts and just let it happen. We're going to see if this sticks and the slider is sticking. It's not perfect. He's still looking for consistency with it. But this is the kind of sign you want from a young pitcher that's trying to get better. And I think this is the at least the start of a development that can get him from that mid-rotation starter to the top of the rotation guy. He's trying to take another step forward. And to see it happen mid-season, that's exciting to me because we know there's plenty of guys who would leave that to the offseason. They wouldn't want to push it. He's fine to experiment out there. That's a no-fear thing to me. And that's who Brian Bayo is. He's a confident motherfucker. I like the shape of it. I think it's going to work. And I hope this is what eventually leads to us seeing the best version of Brian Bayo yet. I truly believe that we have merely scratched the surface of his potential. Um, because I, I do think that he can become more of a strikeout pitcher. I do. I, I mean, he's proven he can get outs consistently at the big league level. Uh, but I think what separates him from being a two, three to a one is the strikeouts. And it's not like he doesn't strike guys out. He does. It's just, you know, I want to 7.4 right now. K per nine. Yeah. Like I want to see 12. You know, I think he's he has that potential. 11, 12 strikeouts per nine. Nine, I think for him would be perfect. If he can get into nine and nine and a half, I don't know if I ever see him getting that high with it. But the way he pitches, he's an old school ground ball guy. Yeah, high nines. That's beautiful. Just break it up. Avoid some of the, you know, he gets into some of these spots here where he gets eaten up by contact. Happened in today's game, right? That little Aaron Hicks dribbler throws the whole inning. And that's part of him just being a ground ball machine. But if you can eliminate a little bit of that, miss some more bats, you don't fall into some of that fucked Babbitt luck that seems to get him on the regular. And it avoids you from maybe some of the Homer problems and stuff as well, because 
I think out of the things that have happened this year, you know, when Brian Bayo came up, it was a really big thing that the guy never gave up homers. It's 1.2 this year. You know, you're not sitting here having a mental breakdown over it, but I want to see that continue to come down, especially for a guy who keeps the ball on the ground as much as he does. Mm-hmm. James Paxson's done for the season. Not that there's much season left, but he is done for the season. Um, you you believe that if the Red Sox were still in it, that you think Paxson would still be pitching? Correct. Um, I don't know I, that I believe that entirely because if I'm James Paxton, I'm looking at it as, all right, we're out of the playoffs, but I'm now I'm pitching for a job. I, and I think Paxton may look at it and be like, I'm out of fucking gas. I have nothing left out there. Like I, I'm pushing through here and I'm trying to give it to you. I'm only hurting my stock at this point. The reality is everyone knows what I look like. Listen, I was the same guy. I've been my entire career. Do we though? I, I, month, in my opinion, month, I, month, month to month, he's been a different guy every time. Velocity. Yeah, I, I think you look the first 13 starts, right? It was a 334 ERA, 359 uh, FIP. The last six starts, it was 762. He was basically those first 13 starts. He was the guy he's been, right? Even with maybe a little bit better stuff than we had saw, he went off the rails. And it's not surprising. The guy has not pitched consistently since friggin' 2019. Like, it shouldn't shock you that it all kind of fell apart on him. And Alice Cora said the same thing today. He goes, listen, what he did was incredible, but the guy hasn't pitched. We know with his injury history and everything he's went through, you know, he pitched through a knee injury this year. Keep in mind. Now, where it gets a little funny is a couple of weeks ago, he said it was no longer a problem. It wasn't a thing. Well, now it's a problem. They skipped him. I think they looked at it. If they were really in the middle of a huge, crazy race, they'd keep pushing him and take the chance. I think when the way, the white flag was waved a little bit after that second loss against Baltimore, Core comes in with the fresh, hey, the younger guys are going to start playing more. I've changed my comment from 24 hours ago where I said, oh, well, we're kind of in it. The whole language from Core changed in 24 hours. I think they finally accepted, all right, it's about 2024 more than anything. Well, I just, I, not to interrupt, ahead. do you think that, that Alex Cora had an epiphany or do you think Maybe some other people had an epiphany. I call it a little bit of both, probably. I think Cora was hanging on more than the front office was. I think that's when you saw Sadan Rafaela come up and he was still sitting. That was more Cora being like, hey, we're still in it. I think when they lost that game against Baltimore and you're Wait, out so seven. When, when Sadan Rafaela gets called up. Yep. And he's not playing every day. Do you think that that is Alex Cora's decision or do you think that that is the front office's decision? I think that's more Alex Cora. Hmm. Do you? I don't. You think that's the front office? I just don't get the sense that it's Alex Cora's decision. Okay. (laughs) I just don't feel that way. So you think in Alex Cora's perfect world, he's playing Sedan Raphael every day. And yeah. he's sitting those veterans down already? Uh, I think it's more just, I mean, I, I don't think that it's waving the white flag to play the kids. Like I feel like that's like a universal belief, right? To play the kids. But when Sedan Raphael comes up and hits 400, it's just a boost. Like, all right, when Jacoby Ellsbury came up in 2007, let's let's speak in Tyler Milliken terms. Was it waving the white flag when Ellsbury played over Coco Crisp? No, but you're, it's two totally different situations. What is it? 
you're talking about a team that was, you know, pushing, you know, a legit competitor, right? I think yeah. bringing up Sedan Raphael and everything he does, definitely on the quicker end of things, clear the organization, still thinks he's he has development to go. every level he's been at now. 100%. He also spent a year at AA for a reason. And there was a reason Brian Abraham a week before is talking about the chase rate and stuff. Alice core was answering questions about it today saying, you know, we've liked the plate approach, some of that stuff. I'm not going to get crazy over what he's done so far. Has it been impressive? hundred percent. Is it bad? Don't you? I don't. I love watching him play and I want him in the lineup every single day. No, you, you want him in San Diego for Juan Soto. That's what. It feels oh, like. oh yeah. Actually, if we're going to do that, I do want that. Yeah, uh, if if we're being hundred percent honest there, you don't, but I, I have a lot of love for Sedan. You don't Rafaela. believe in the player. I do believe in the player, uh, not in terms of, and I've been very clear about this. I think his ceilings 2021 Kike. That's where I've always stood on it. The glove will keep him in the big leagues for a long time. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with the bat. And you look at it, right? Like the BABIP, it's about since he got to the big leagues. What do you think his BABIP is? 361. No. Higher? Yeah. Try again. 428. No. Try again. 390. Way higher. 470. 800. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. I, I am enjoying what he's doing, and he is a no, huge asset defensively. You don't play um, I look at the player. I don't believe in the bat to be superstar level. No, but I think there's a lot of value that comes with his glove that raises the floor. Look at Kevin Kiermeyer. Guys like that who have stuck along, stuck around for as long as they did, been very good players. I think that's more of his tier. And I think some years, maybe the bat will be even better, you know, a little above what you expect. I think other years will be a little below. I think it's just going to be very streaky. He walked for the first time today, which was a nice sign. Ah, there it is. You don't believe in his... You don't believe in his ability to get on base. Uh, more of the chase stuff than anything. I'm you, more worried about the hate, chase. Right? You hate the player. I don't hate the player. People want to act like I hate Sedan Rafaela. I like Sedan Rafaela. Jake, Jake, how do you feel about Sedan Rafaela? Well, I like him a lot more than Tyler does. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. I feel like a lot of people like him a lot more than Tyler does. Do you think the bat has superstar potential? Jared? Super strong. Superstar is a strong term. Okay. Um, I think that he. Uh, I think that he's not someone that I'm going to look at and be like, he's just a defensive. Like he's not Jackie Bradley Jr. It's like, oh, yeah. Like if, you know, he's going to hit one month out of the year and the rest of it's going to be ass, but he's going to play every day because his defense is so good. I don't think that he's that level of player. I think that he's going to be. I'm, I'm trying to like a. How's Kevin Kiermeyer sound to you? I just said that. I wasn't listening at all. I are you Jake? Did I just not say that exactly? I'm not saying that you didn't say it. I'm saying I wasn't listening to you when you said it. Well, fuck you. You should listen to me when I talk. Well, secondly, I mean, if, you, if you listen to Pat Light's podcast, he did a whole episode about how my brain works, and he was 100 percent right. Like when you're talking, I'm thinking about the next segment. Like I'm thinking about where are we well, going to take this. That's the problem like with both of us. I'm painting the picture of where we're going to go from here, and I trust that you're making sense. But I'm already thinking about what's my next take? What's my next point? Something that I'm debating saying. Maybe, should I say this? Should I not say this? Like, that's what I'm thinking about. So let's flip back. Since we seemingly agree on what Sedan Raphael is. That's, that's oh. the takeaway here is that you should be happy that we agreed blindly. You have a good mind. I'm not surprised. So you think if Cora had his choice, he'd be playing Raphael from the start there? Mm, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think so. That, who, so he sits Duvall at that point, pretty much, right? Like, 
I think when you like, he's not a good defensive center fielder. What's been the outside of the pitching, which Rafael, to my knowledge, doesn't pitch. What's been the biggest problem with this team? Defense. Okay. So if you have a guy that you don't think is going to be back next year, it's like, all right, let's, let's see this defense. Let's, let's do it. Who was the hottest hitter on the planet until a week ago? I mean, he had a hot series against the Astros. It was a hot stretch. He, he'd been on fire for a hot second. Um, brought home player of the week, right? So I, I think it was one of those things. I think Cora truthfully believed, like, all right, we're still in the conversation here. If we start playing the kids over some of these guys, yeah, the clubhouse. Duvall's a major part of that clubhouse. He's a, he was a big part of them in anything they were doing offensively at that time. I think they were waiting to kind of wave the flag like they did with Casas a year ago. Where when they got to September 4th or whatever it was when they called him up, yeah, Tristan Casas, you're going to play every day because we knew it was done. Cora said that himself today. It's just a different situation. He's like, when we were in it, like, or when we weren't in it last year, it was easier to put these guys in the lineup. Right now, it's the opposite of it. And I think for a guy in Alice Cora who does value the postseason as much as they have, the front office tipped their hand to you when they brought in Valdez. Obviously, you know, players coming up, that's part of the September roster expansions keeping Will or Abreu up. We want these guys to start to get their feet wet a little bit. I think Alice Cora was hanging on to, we're still in it. If some things can kind of click the way they need to here, who knows? It gets interesting with those series against the Blue Jays and the Rangers. I think that loss to the Orioles on Saturday was just the final straw for him. I guess we all come to terms at different points. Uh, the season was over when they, when they got swept by the Blue Jays. <laughs> Of course, but like Cora, why would Cora, Cora say, he, hey, it's his job. He's got to go out there and be like, hey, you know, we still got a fighting chance. And it, whether he believes it or I mean, he's I think when he says shit like that, he's not it's not lip service. Uh, he's not. No, someone I don't like either. I, th- I think he point. does still believe that they can win or whatever. And he knows how fickle a baseball season can be. Guys can get into the playoffs that don't necessarily deserve to be there or. Maybe they weren't in the playoff picture towards the end and they still get in. I don't know. But yeah, this was the quote yesterday. Today's the 10th. Mm, yes. Why is Cole's birthday? Is it really? Yeah. You I didn't need wish to shoot him a text. Birthday. Yeah. He actually texted me earlier this morning. He's like, I bet you $5,000 that Milliken doesn't wish me a happy birthday. And I, was like, I love Coley, but he didn't wish me a happy birthday either. Um, wow. But I will because I'm a good guy. Wow. Um, well, you weren't going to until I told you that it was. I didn't know. Okay. Well, now you know. Um, but. This from Cora yesterday, September 9th. Why did Casas play every day last September, but not Rafaela this year? I think last year we were out, out. This year, we're still kind of like in the hunt. It doesn't look great, but we still got games against Toronto. We still got games against Texas. You know, we get in a hot streak here. Those games might mean something. So right now, you know, this is where we're at. They're good players. Like I've been saying the whole week, we'll find matchups that they're going to contribute, you know, and he'll play short whenever he has to play short. But as of right now, this is where we're at. I think that's just what it is. And I think people who look at like Rafaela, I understand it's fun, right? But if his mindset is this, and I'd argue they should have flipped this mindset, but if this is his mindset, then they're not going to want to deal with maybe the ups and downs that are going to come with Rafaela being up earlier than he probably should have been. At least in terms of the organization's eyes. They've kind of accelerated him a little bit. You see it across baseball right now. Promotions have been very aggressive this year, especially in the Red Sox system, which is a big change of pace from past years, uh, at least in the Bloom era. I don't know. I, I think there was just a signaling after yesterday's game that all right now we're more in the out out range than the in the hunt range i think we have a classic case of too many cooks in the kitchen once again 
talked about this before. Bring it up again. If you have too many people that have say or have power, there's no way that you're going to be on the same page all the time. Maybe some people think that you're still in it. Maybe some some people think that you don't. Maybe some people say we got to play the veterans because we still have a chance. Maybe some people are saying, why aren't we playing the kids? Because we're building towards the future anyway. Like you're going to have differing opinions. It's impossible not to, especially when you have that many people that are in a position of power in, in, in the same organization. Um, and isn't that where I think you have the blooms of the world who's like, man, like this year is what it is. Let's start going for next year. It's about the future. You have core who's like, what about, dude, this is still a team. Like, what about the now? October means something. Correct. Like, who knows? I think that's the gap in the language there. I don't know. Maybe they told Cora, like, too fucking bad after Saturday. Like, something needs to change. Or Cora just eventually, he was able to swallow the pill and say, all right, well, maybe it took me an extra week, but they're right. Like, this Did is you watch his post game today? Yes. What was the tone? I didn't get to see it. Um... I'd say very even keeled, really not in one direction or the other. Definitely not like positive, like, oh, like, hey, we wrapped up. We finished on a good note. More along the lines of we took care of business today. Awesome to see Casas and Bayo doing their thing. And we're just going to keep battling. We got 19 left. You know, I wouldn't call it happy. I would just call it September when you know you're not going to the playoffs. I would call it just being a pro. Because yeah, you that's know the best that way he wants it. to fucking pick up the chair and smash it off the back wall and be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> can we get some help? Like, no, September. The, he- the time to get help has come and gone. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where the future takes us. We'll see who is steering the ship for the future. Like that. That's the biggest question that needs to be answered. Keep talking about the future. How are you supposed to talk about the future when you don't know who's going to be making the decisions on that future? If you were to make a change, I would have hoped Bloom was fired this month or August. In my opinion, I would have liked someone who was already entering or prepared to enter the day the season ends. I don't want to see you go through an entire thing in October. This isn't 2019. That's why you just go back to the fucking same word of conviction. Yeah, maybe it goes above Heim. In terms of roster construction, lack of conviction. If you want Heim here or you don't lack of conviction because he's still here but there's rumors of you shopping around for someone else there's a lot of lack of conviction going on around here do you love Heim Bloom or do you love him John Henry which right. one is it are you going to yeah. propose or are you going to keep yeah. looking around you going to put a ring on it don't know I don't will know. say uh, on the packs in front what do you think he gets for a deal Oh, and I want to make it clear. I don't think he's getting the QO anymore. I'll, I'll take my own. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, you, you don't think that someone's going to give him fucking 20-something million dollars next year? I think it was a fair conversation until a couple weeks ago. I do. I'm not changing on that. Tyler Anderson got a fucking QO last year. Let's grow up. Martin Perez got a QO. <laughs> true or, Martin true or false? Perez was an all-star last year. Good for him. He also, no one believed he was going to be that pitcher again. I'd bet on James Paxson being better than Martin Perez next year. Martin <laughs> Perez is in the fucking bullpen. You would take Martin Perez next year over James Paxson? 100%. Wow, I wouldn't. That's a very, that's a good conversation. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know that I would want either. I, I, I would be very disappointed if either. What do you think Paxson gets next year? One for eight. I think one, it'll be closer to 12. I think he could get two for like 22. Or something in that area. Maybe two for 20. Nah. 
Nah. If he gets if he gets two, the second year is going to be an option. Yeah, I could see that kind of situation. Works for both sides as well. If he feels like he needs, you know, if, if he's the guy he was before he got worn down, then it's a steal. I could see him getting a guaranteed second year if it's really competitive. Like if he's fielding four or five offers of one with an option, then it's like, all right, that team that really wants me. Like, all right, fine. Fuck it. We'll guarantee the second year. Like Corey Kluber got 10 million. A guy throwing 88 miles per hour. He's coming off of a year where he threw like 160 innings. Of course, but he was not good. He was as mid as mid could be. Okay, we're talking about like teams like the Red Sox love mid. That, that's like, what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, like he's not good, but he doesn't suck. But Perfect. James Paxson, you know, Corey Kluber wasn't going to level up. James Paxson, you could say, yeah, well, but he's the even, guy. Like a, even if he ran it back, so he's one year removed from just like a mid ass year. And it's like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll make you our fucking opening day starter. How's that sound, Corey? They were willing to he give him like, oh, two years and oh, 26 million. Oh, you're going to give two. me $10 million to come fucking suck. That sounds awesome. And he signed a deal. You got, they were willing to give him two years, 26 million. If he had just came back and pitched at the end of 2022. Who's that? The Red Sox. They had the two year, 26 million Kluber option. Or James Paxson. Paxson. That's like they, they were going to give that to a guy coming off Tommy John. And you had no idea what the fuck he was going to be. The Red now Sox he got hurt dumb. again. The Red so Sox they said dumb fuck franchise. It. Red Sox do dumb shit. I think lot. pitching's expensive. They're a dumb team. The Red Sox they, are a dumb team. They do dumb shit. Do they not do dumb shit a lot? I'm not disagreeing with you. They do do dumb things. Okay. So if someone did dumb shit all the time, would you be like, hey, that's a dumb person or a smart person? They got dumb moments. Yeah. They've got a lot of dumb moments. They have a lot of smart moments. You hate James Paxson. I think it's just because you like him so much. I don't like him that much. You wanted to fucking give him a 10-year, $500 million contract last week. Uh, Wait, wait, what'd you say? I was thinking of my next point. I'm sorry. Oh. I just pulled a Jared. <laughs> it wasn't a fucking joke. Play the laugh track. I think I got rid of it. Damn it. <laughs> oh, that works. That works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't I don't hate James Paxton. I'm disappointed that the Red Sox didn't trade him, but then you know you find out that you weren't gonna get much for him because teams were weary. All right, so put it this way. For your hypothetical about what he'll get in the offseason, teams didn't want to give up much for him because they were weary about what they were going to get from him in the second half. What did the Red Sox get from him? Nothing. Dick. He sucked, and then he was out for the year. So now if you're a team that's looking to sign this guy, are you going to line up to give him two years after what you just saw? You waited to see? I guess you weigh it out. Is it more you thought he fell apart because he had impeached in a couple years, or do you think he just only has, like, you know... 80 innings in him a year moving forward. I would assume it's more along the lines of they knew he was going to run out of bullets having not pitched in three years. What After happened to an- bullet? Mm. He died. Fuck you. All I'm saying is with Paxson, there's going to be a team that looks at him and says, I think he's closer to the three, five, three, six guy. And we're desperate for pitching. We're probably going to give him more money than you. Who expect. the fuck in their right mind would be like this dude in his age 45 season is going to pitch to a three and a half next year. Nate Evaldi got that money. He's a fucking Nate guy. Nate Evaldi is the like time. 15 years younger than James Paxton. All right. Let's relax. What I'm is calm. this age 34 season for Evaldi? That sound right? No. That's age 33. Yeah, exactly. All right. You act like I said something that made you fucking die. I was one year off. 
You're off. Uh, James Paxson, what will this be? 35. Yeah, so way older. Yeah. We're, we're talking mid-30s pitchers. And I, you could argue Paxson has less wear on his arm. No. Not saying I'd take Paxson over Rivaldi, but. That's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. No, it's not. Trust me. I promise you I'm not saying that. Spare me. I love when they, on the sports app, when they drop the, uh, Jimmy Stewart has a cut. It's Tyler being like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that was the Bayo conversation for Dylan Cease. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> That's where yeah, that yeah, came yeah. from. There's a yeah, lot of bad yeah, drops yeah. of me on the sports hub. It's great. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> Why oh, not laugh at Tyler yourself? <laughs> I'm going to have him send me that. <laughs> it was a good take. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's a great take. Yeah. I'm not giving up Brian Bayo for Dylan Cease. No. No chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna float something your way right now. Okay. I just want your raw reaction to it. Is there anything to this, or are you just saying shit? I'm just saying shit. Okay. The Angels might trade Mike Trout. I was legit. I thought you were gonna say that. That's funny. I'm not. I don't think that. First of all, I don't think that they trade him this winter. But let's just say all hypotheticals, right? Mike Trout's like, you know what? Turns out that I do want out. Get me out of here. See you later. And the Angels are probably, if they want a good return, I mean, Mike Trout, I hate to say it, Mike Trout's like kind of like damaged goods right now. Uh, you're probably not going to get a good prospect. Like, I think the Angels would be smart to take <laughs> a low return just to get rid of the contract. I don't know that a team wants to take on that. Like that's why I don't think he gets moved, right? Like the logic would tell you the Angels would want to trade him to get his money off the books. It would be less of a rebuild and more of a reset. So if you eat half the contract, yeah, you might get some good prospects back. Okay. But you're still paying half his salary. Like that's not that's not what you want if you're the Angels. And I got the numbers in front of me if you want the numbers. Please. Uh, so what's left is seven years, 248. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's steep, man. But oh. okay, let's split it in half. And I think it, I think the angels would want more salary relief considering yes. Arde Moreno's history. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're talking about taking on a good fucking portion of money, probably at least 200 million. Yeah. But they're caught in the spot where they need prospects as well. So like, yeah. which one is it? But it's I just mean, that's who Arde Moreno is. He's not going to want that money. If they that didn't was. trade Shohei Otani when it was over, I don't think that this is an organization that values prospects all that much. Good take. Uh, and I would also throw in the idea, maybe if they're sitting there and they're like, oh, maybe we can get Shohei here. It's important to have money than prospects, right? Like if, <laughs> They're not going to. But like, let's let's Ugh. act like Arde Moreno and be fucking delusional, like lie to the public about selling the team and Ugh. then not do it just to get everyone off our ass for a bit. All right, let's just say, since you made the numbers, are you in on seven years, 200 for Mike Trout if it's just like a, a, out of like 10 being the Chris Sale prospect hall, a four? Inside of me, deep inside of me, there is a kid who... Fell in love with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. That was everything. I watched Mike Trout and I still think peak Mike Trout 
is the greatest player I've watched in my lifetime outside of Shohei. Um, just, you know, pure one side of the ball. Yeah. But at the same time, Mike Trout has played over 83 games once in the last four years. We have sat here. We've dealt with Chris Sale, all this bullshit. The potential of something like that happening again. And you have seven years remaining seven years. It's a pill that I'm not willing to swallow. Is it beautiful to dream about? Maybe there's a couple years of Mike Trout in there that are still MVP quality, even with this year being his worst year of his career outside of 2011 when he first came out for that stretch in what, August or September, whatever it was. Declining player, injuries, money that needs to be dished out to other parts of the team, the pitching staff. I'm good. I'd make the call. We can have a conversation about it, right? But no, I'm not doing that. It feels weird to say that, right? Like, no, I'm good on Mike Trout, but it's the Sounds correct crazy. answer. It's the correct answer. Seven years, 200 million. Like if he if he became a free agent this winter, are you giving him seven years, two hundred million dollars? No, no. Uh, but I think like it's the it's the name. It's like you still hear Mike Trout and you're like, dude, that guy is it's Mike Trout. It's fucking Mike Trout. We're talking yeah. like, can you imagine what he could do at Fenway Park? And it's like, yeah, it's great. Like you're going to pick up the phone and say, all right, well, what do you want to say? But once you start putting the details together, it's like this is the exact move they shouldn't be making. Like this is, you know, can you invest 250 million? We're talking 250 here with the angels. Well, that's what Yamamoto is going to cost. So what, what are we doing here? Imagine right? like, you don't get Yamamoto, but you get a broken ass Mike Trout. And we've prospects. done this. And, and like, it's no disrespect to Mike Trout. But I you do Mike wonder Trout would hear this conversation and be like, dude, you're right. I'm going to kill myself. It's crazy. Well, no, he, you know, he knows, he knows the deal. Like, it's got to be, you know, it's going to be one of those dumbass teams like the Padres or the Mets that are just like, all right, yeah, we'll just keep throwing money at the problem. You, you just hope it gets better. It's just like with Trout, you bring him here. And I think you're inviting yourself into another one of those disasters. And I don't know. I don't know if Trout could handle Boston. And I, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I'm not usually the guy to be like, oh, figure out what the Boston market will do to you. For a guy who's been in L.A. where there's been not even a sense of heat on that man for a minute where they just do not give a fuck over there. Like coming into Boston where they are going to eat you alive, whether you're good or not, you could be good and they're still going to give you too much shit. Is that something he would want to walk into? And is that something he'd excel in? I mean, he, I think he, like, it's like I said, I had the take on baseball's dead back in March that he was going to get a little taste of the playoff action with the world baseball classic. And he'd be like, all right, give me the fuck out of here. I want that. But it's like, if you can't stay on the field, then I don't know. You're, you're, if you're going to, if you want that playoff taste, you're going to go to a market where they're not going to put up with that shit. You're a hero. You're a legend. You should be a legend to all baseball fans, which he is, but more so in Anaheim where he can do no wrong. Like he can play 83 games for the rest of his fucking life in, in Anaheim and it's not going to matter. They'll be like, yay, Mike Trout. You go we to love Philly, you. Boston, New York, LA. They're not, not going to put up with that shit. And you look at, you know, you mentioned Philly. You don't think he looks at Bryce Harper every fucking day. It's like, look at what that. Yeah, of course. Look at how much fun he's having. It's so sad and wild to some degree because you knew it was the other way for a long time. And we had that conversation like Bryce Harper probably looks at Mike Trout and is like, fuck, man. Like, he is what I was supposed to be. And now Bryce Harper, you know, future first battle hall of famer. We all know the path he's going down. Trout will be as well. But. 
Bryce Harper has a city behind him that loves him. The entire sport of baseball looks at him as like, that's how the game should be played. You know, the blue collar shit, all that fucking stuff. Like you eat it up. Who doesn't want Bryce Harper on their team? And Mike Trout, say what you will. I think it's gone in the other way, not because he's a bad guy, but he's just, he's nonchalant. He's chilling. He's, he's always just kind of been away and doing his own thing. And, you know, as you get into this stage, your career next year will be his age 32 season. Mm. Like you don't have any of those signature moments. You have none of it. And like, that is such a hard pill to swallow for his such signature a moment player. is striking out to Shohei in the world baseball classic. That's a fucking, Oh, that hurts. That's right? tough, but it's true. That's Best what it is. This generation, his, his signature moment was striking out to Shohei in the world baseball classic. And like to watch the guy who came in and took your reign of, you know, really close to a decade almost of being that player in the game and Shohei Otani showed up and as incredible as Mike Trout was, we've never seen anything like Shohei Otani. So he shows up, he takes that spotlight off of you. The guy in the same generation as you that you were constantly kind of being compared to you and Harper, he's reached the heights of a postseason star, a legend in Philly. And here you are breaking down at that same age and going in the opposite direction. And you throw on top of it, if he came to Boston, you're not going to put him in left field. We're talking about right field. You're trading Alex Verdugo. The Angels are stupid enough. They take Alex Verdugo for a year and say, all right, well, let's see what happens. This is great. Well, you're going to tell Mike Trout to go play I another center field. He bets. He's awesome. <laughs> like, you're going to tell Mike Trout to go play right field at Fenway. That's really the conversation that you would have with the Angels. Be like, all right, you give us Mike Trout, <laughs> you eat 150 million, and we'll give you the player that was in the Mookie Betts deal. And, oh. you, and you can have Josh Winkowski too. Josh Winkowski too? Mm-hmm. You dickhead. Just to sweeten the pot. They might just kind of look at the, the Red Sox system and say, hmm, who, who's good in here? Let, let's look for a name. Caleb we want to make sure he's nowhere he, near the big He throws 100 stuff. miles an hour. Oh, you, guys can have, you guys can have Alex Verdugo, Josh Winkowski, Caleb Ort. Done deal. And you guys yeah. eat 150 million. And we'll take Luis Perales as well. We know there's some hype there, but he's at high A, so we'll just call him up to the big leagues and who knows? He'll figure it out, right? Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Let's just accelerate the guys we badly need to become good prospects. Yeah. Yep. Fucking awful organization. Poverty organization. That's, um, that's my trade proposal. I, th- I think Artie Moreno would be having a freaking party right now. Oh, he would love it. It, it is... I don't know. I think the Mike Trout conversation is interesting, but man, there are so many red flags there. I, I don't know how you could convince yourself otherwise. So you hate Sedan Raphael and Mike Trout? I I love Mike Trout. I like Sedan Raphael. But I, I just because see Tyler, Tyler loves every fucking prospect. All he does. I say, all right, I have concerns you about are, this. You this are, fucking guy's a hater, man. You Fuck are. Off. You do. You do. You are a prospect hugger, Jake. Would you, would you want Mike Trout on your baseball team? I mean, if we're talking your trade proposal, then I think I'd be good with that. Maybe throw in <laughs> Joe Jakes. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate Joe Jakes, man. You do? Oh, I can't stand the guy, actually. And I was someone who tried to defend him a little bit because uh, early in the year, you know, he came in. There were some spots. I've never seen a guy just come in and shit himself more. Like, you can't come in and just get hit. You got to hit the guy, walk a guy, then you get fucking smoked. Like, bare fucking minimum. We're throwing you in a friggin' ninth inning on Saturday. Like, you give up one fucking run. 
You have to give up the run and you lose by one run in that game. You are the difference between that comeback and it's on Chris Hill. I get it. But holy shit, you shit your pants the day before. You shit yourself earlier in the week where you hit two guys in a row. What was it? The Dodgers with the bases loaded or the Astros, whoever it was like. Enjoy triple A. Enjoy triple A right now. Joe Jace, you've earned it. Let Heim cook. Eh, minor league rule five draft. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the guys that get overexposed when you are desperate for arms. Well, that was that. I guess we will revisit the Mike Trout conversation at some point this winter. But for now, it's just, you know, it was news. Came out. It's exciting. Mike Trout could be available. I think it's the the most fascinating part about the conversation is that most intelligent teams will be like, no. (laughs) That's the craziest part about it. Watch, though. If there is a team that pulls him and somehow fixes his health, I don't know how they're going to do it. Fixes his health. It it could happen. An organization with a brain. They probably don't even have doctors with the Angels. Let's be real. Do you think think the Angels pay doctors? Uh, No. Trout came back for one game after that Hammett bone. And he was like, dog, I need to go back on the aisle immediately. Like, I am cooked. Well, I think he came back because he was like, oh, man, my team needs me. And then Shohei got hurt. And he was like, all right, fuck this. When the great Yu Chang attempted to come back and it acted up, the Red Sox like, all right, we're going to shut you back down. We're going to give you a little bit more time. Yeah. Mike Trout, the angel said, go fucking play. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Um, all right. Let's see. Red Sox Yankees. Series of the season. For all the marbles. Red Sox. Yankees. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one. But Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve lasting chains, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, Every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, There's two games with unnamed starters. But anyways... The Stop and Shop Look Ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. Head on down to Stop and Shop. Use the promo code Section 10 to get 10 cents off your tangerines when you buy at least five pounds of tangerines. Only on Stop and Shop using the promo code Section 10. Uh, first game, Monday. By the way, it's so stupid that the Yankees don't play the Mets on 9-11. Like, that should be yeah. a thing. It, I don't, Someone tweeted that this year? No, but I've seen it. I feel like in past years, that's like a tweet that goes out every 9-11. Yeah. That should be a thing. I saw that on Twitter last year, and I agree with the sentiment. The Mets should play the Yankees every year on 9-11. That's just that's an easy no-brainer. But they're stuck with the Red Sox this year. And four-game set. 
at Fenway Park. Monday, game one, Clark Schmidt with a 9-8 and eight record and a 4.54 ERA versus Cutter Crawford. Six and seven with a 436. Uh, game two, we see Carlos Rodon. <laughs> Woo, he's slicing and dicing this year. Two and five with a 660 ERA. The Yankees' uh, prized offseason acquisition rolls into town with a 660 ERA versus Nick Pavetta. Nine and eight, a 454 ERA. Uh, then on Wednesday, the Yankees have not named a starter, but that is the day that Tanner Houck will go. Four and nine with a 528 ERA. And then in the finale, is Michael King. Did I miss something? Is Michael King like an opener or is he starting now? Yeah, I think. Aren't they treating it like a bullpen game or am I tripping here? I don't know. Because I think he pitched today. Did he pitch today? Uh, what's He pitched yesterday. Wow. No, he threw five innings. Oh, wow. Five innings in his last two, th- three outings. He Four innings on the 29th, five innings on the third, five innings on the ninth. For all the rent-free, you're obsessed with the Yankees, I'd, I'm clearly not paying close enough attention to the Yankees where I would know that Michael King is a starter now. Wow. Uh, but Thursday, that game is on Fox. 7-15 start. It is Michael King, who's 4-5 and five with a 282 ERA, and the Red Sox have not named a starter in that game. So... Once again, Clark Schmidt versus Cutter Crawford, Carlos Rodon versus Nick Pavetta, TBD versus Tanner Houck, and Michael King versus TBD. Which should be Chris Sale, but the fact that they're already telling you that they may be pushing him till uh, I believe they labeled it, what's today? Today, Sunday. I think they were mentioning a couple days back and they'll just go with the bullpen game. I think to the following Tuesday feels very Paxton-like to me. You think they're going to shut it the fuck down? Uh, yeah, I think if it continues to go sideways and he doesn't look great, or if it's just not, he's not feeling the way he needs to, they're going to tell you, him to go enjoy the offseason. You've got Chris Sale shutting it the fuck down. Cora told you. We're more focused on getting him ready for 2024. <sighs> oh my God, I'm so sick of focusing on the next year. When is it going to be my time? <laughs> Lord Jesus, when is it going to be my time? The time's now. This four-game series against the Yankees. This is the biggest series of the season. A lot of people are saying that. A lot I'll be of sweating these games out. This season. You just sweat in general. I don't. Actually, I do sweat. You do. You're a sweaty guy. Sweating's good for you. No, it's not. What? It gets the toxins out. It means you're burning calories, too. Why do you have toxins? I eat a lot of bad food. Mm. I don't have any toxins in my body. Oh, I disagree. What are they? Mouthful of, mouthful of cigarettes. Well, 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 how do you fix that? How does that work? Yeah, I guess you're right. Hmm. Uh, Have some balls, Jared. I mean, didn't we, I pick? I picked a sweep last time against the Yankees and they swept. Not bad. Yeah. A lot has changed since then. A lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same. What are you going to pick? Three out of four. 
Wow. No. I, I'm going to stand up. Uh, I know everyone, oh, Tyler's scared of the Yankees. He's fucking you trembling. Act, this, is, this is literally you just caving the peer pressure. You don't no, actually believe that. Listen, I'm a big dog. And no, you're not. When I saw Jason Dominguez die. You're I little, said the Red Sox are going to take three out of four. You're a little pussy boy. I, I think I'm not a want, little pussy. You hey, wanted to pick a split and you were like, I ah. have a big pussy. Yeah, exactly. Not a little pussy boy. You wanted big to, puss. You wanted to pick a split. But you picked three out of four because you caved to peer pressure of society. And Jason Dominguez got hurt. Yeah, because he makes a difference. Oh, massive difference. No. Do you call him fat now? No, no, no. The Martian? Yeah. Not at all. But I think it kills their vibes a little bit. I think the Red Sox coming into this series. You don't believe what you're saying. It's gonna be it's gonna be ugly baseball. But you think you think the Yankees, Yankees are gonna sweep, don't you? No, I don't. Fuck you. Oh, man. You, you have, oh, oh you have, Jared, call it. Call the sweep. No Yankees sweep socks. Say Tyler's it. Tyler's favorite fucking team. That ball's high. It is far. Fuck. It is gone. It's a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. That's what Tyler's teddy bear says when you squeeze his hand at night. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It doesn't say that. All I'm oh. saying here. If I look at the series, we're talking about Clark Schmidt, number five starter, him and Cutter Crawford, same thing. Give me that as a wash. Carlos Rodon, fucking bodies destroyed, doesn't know what's going on. We got a bullpen game on Wednesday, and then Michael King, who's a reliever. I mean, he just went five innings. That's not very reliever-ish of him, is it? Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. And he did against the Astros, which the Red Sox, you would have taken five innings in one run against the Astros. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go with the Red Sox continuing to own the Yankees this year. Jake, what do you got in this series? Got the Red Sox winning all four. You got a sweep. Got a sweep. A four-game sweep. Four-game sweep of the Yankees. Jake has a four-game sweep of the New York Yankees happening at Fenway Park. Say the huh. split, Jared. Say it. I know you want to say it. A split? Yeah, no. Three out of four. I said three out of four because I got balls. A split? Yeah, that's what you want to do. A split? Yeah, talk to me, Mister Big Penis. Is that what I've called myself? <laughs> That—that's what the, they say on the streets. Okay. I hate to do this. Oh, Yankees fanboy! I hate to do this, but it's how I feel. And I have to be authentic. And I have to be genuine with my pick. It's a four-game sweep, you fucking idiot, Tyler. It's a four-game fucking sweep. I hate being the guy that has to copy someone else. Jake already picked a four-game sweep. I would have loved to have been the first one. But it turns out that there are two people on this podcast that actually believe in the Red Sox and aren't some little fucking foo-foo fucking pussy boy that won't pick a sweep. There's only one person, one more time, one more time. There's only one person on the podcast that didn't pick a four-game sweep, and it's Tyler Milliken. Suck on it. it. You don't believe in the Red Sox. You're afraid of the Yankees. You're a fucking loser. Good day, sir. Suck Suck on it. You done? Yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you. All I'm saying is when homeless people fight, they're both going to get clipped. But the Red Sox will take they'll take less of a beating. Well, if it's a four game sweep, then that would mean that only one homeless person got clipped in your little analogy. Yeah, the Red Sox, they're going to get clipped at least once, but not multiple times. Sounds like you don't believe in the Sox. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm taking three out of four. Maybe I'm a little bitch. You are. Maybe I am. But I trust my heart and I pick with my heart. Mm-hmm. I pick with my swag. Word. Don't ever say that again. I pick with in, my Jake. swag. That's not what that sounds like. I pick with my swag, Jared. That's what I do. I sound like I've been smoking for 50 I'm Tyler years. Billiken. I'm Tyler Billiken, darling. And I pick with my swag. Oh, my name's Jared. My name's Jared fucking Grabbit. Oh, look at me. I have fucking gel in my hair. You see I the gel have, in my hair? I don't have gel Fuck your hair. hair. I don't what have gel that? in my hair. Why does it stand up like that? I have product in my hair, but it's not gel. Same shit. There's a difference between gel and other hair product. Is really? I, I'm not familiar. I don't know if you guys can tell. I, I'm not usually a gel. Yeah, guy. your hair looks like shit. <laughs> Today. Yeah, they have they have dry shampoos. They have leave-in conditioners. There's different paste. There's wax. It's all kinds of shit you can put in your hair that isn't gel. I used I got gel this, when I was in middle school. I, I've gotten this new thing uh, that Martha got me. It's a mm-hmm. uh, beard, beard uh, formula oil. stuff. Yes, beard maybe. Oil. Okay. I'm trying to shape my beard and I'm going to start doing a handlebar uh, mustache. Don't do that. I think it like fits my aesthetic a little bit. And no, it doesn't. You're not. Hold a... on. Look at me. <laughs> I'm looking at you and all I right. don't like it at all. Am I, am I going <laughs> to? Are the ladies going to be like, what's good? No, I don't think they are. Like, Hold on. You, I got to twist you this. drink like craft beer. I could. Uh, what do you call them? An IPA? I guess. How do you do? No, don't stop. I look like like Edgar Allan Poe. That's not what he looks like. I can ride my bike with no handlebars. No handlebars, right? Stop. <laughs> Join in with me. I don't think my mustache does that. My mustache is kind of tight. I don't have as much to flip up like you do. What's uh, the guy from Sonic, the evil, the villain, Dr. Eggplant? No idea. Jake, Jake, you know what I'm talking about. I don't really know Sonic. Yeah, no. These guys are such fucking nerds. <laughs> Holy shit. You, you don't know fucking Sonic the Hedgehog? You have a childhood or anything like that? I know who Sonic the Hedgehog is. I didn't play the video. I didn't play the video game. I didn't like watch the TV show. Dr. Eggman. That was his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm about to have a pussy. <laughs> I'm about to have a mustache like that. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna kill the game. I'm gonna kill the game. Can't stand you. Yeah, cut that one out, Jake. <sighs> Anyways, um, all right. We'll be back on Thursday after the conclusion of the Red Sox Yankee series, in which they the Red Sox will be sweeping that series. Four games to nothing. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts? I want to, I think, uh, Willie Abreu will hit his second big league home run. I'm, I'm going to give you that. And shout out to Roman Anthony today. 
Yeah. Three do? doubles. The game resumed from Ooh. last night, but he's having fun in double A. He's continuing to look like the real deal. So if you're looking for something to cling on to or be excited about, that's it. Oh, and Marcel Meyer. I don't think we've recorded since. Uh, the podcast that he did with Rob Bradford talking about the shoulder and everything. Check out the splits in between. It really speaks to how much that shoulder hurt him and where his numbers were at before it happened. Happened May 7th. Oh. The game he went like crazy where he had the almost a cycle. He yeah. heard it going for the triple. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jake's takes. Going to need Tyler saying I have a big pussy on the soundboard <laughs> as soon as possible. Not- when you're editing the podcast tonight, can you please send me that that MP3, Jake? Yeah, I'll send it over. Thank you. Send it to me as well, Jake. Nope. <laughs> uh, um. All right. We'll be back on Thursday. Oh, also, uh, Friday. Uh, woke up Friday morning. Uh, to a text from my mom <clears throat> that uh, my grandmother was not doing so well um it was basically a situation where it was like uh you know come say goodbye type deal uh if you were watching the red sox games for the first few months of the season uh they had that um the like like a pro contest like go to a game with jared and that was friday night so i was like all right what do we do and i was in the booth that night so um my family all said you should go like don't cancel like she would want you to be there okay so before the game i went to my grandmother's house to basically say goodbye which was very sad um and then i thought it was very cool that when i was in the booth that uh, dave was not aware lou was aware um because I think Lou had heard that I might be canceling because I was texting them being like, hey, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be there or not. Um, ended up going. And uh, like, I kind of I didn't want to like phrase it in like a morbid way, but like I knew. Uh, but I was kind of just like, yeah, like I was like, my nan is watching, you know, just wanted to say like, love you and, you know, all that. And OB was great. He was like, love you. Because I was like, all right, love you, Joan. And OB was like, we love you, Joan. Which was great. Uh, I mean, she was sleeping, but uh, Tyler clipped off the clip for me and texted it to me. Uh, so they they took the clip and they they brought it to her in bed and they played it for her. Um, so she heard it, and uh, she she passed away this morning. Uh, very sad, obviously, but hell of a run. And yeah, her she loved watching me when I was on TV. Like she got this like digital camera. And like, it was so fucking funny. Like in 2013, when I was on uh, NECN during the World Series, she she like took Polaroids of her TV, <laughs> like taking pictures of me on TV and like gave me the pictures of me being on TV. Um, so I still have those. And uh, uh, Andrew Benintendi, that was her boyfriend. So when I interviewed Benny in 2019, me and him took a picture uh, and the Red Sox dugout and like she has like this like dresser with all of her pictures on it. And uh, so there's a picture of me and Benny. And I was like, yeah, there's there's me and your your boyfriend. And uh, she has. Um, uh, after the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018, 
uh, I remember tweeting like a picture of like me, my dad and my grandfather, aka her husband. And I was like, this one means a lot. Like it's, you know, it's my first World Series without my grandfather. So she had like that tweet like clipped out. She had like this whole little like Red Sox section there. So, yeah, like it was really cool that uh, like she got such a kick out of seeing me do stuff like that. And I was able to kind of like say goodbye to her that way. Um, but yeah, just wanted to, to share that to sign off. And uh, we will see you on Thursday slash Friday morning. Goodbye. Buenas noches, amigos. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.